Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Deer Found Her podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am so excited to be back with you for another incredible conversation with another amazing, amazing guest. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. And before we get into today's episode, the conversation you're about to hear really took me back in so many ways and I wanted to share. So I met today's guest during the height of my first company, Bump Club and Beyond. It was a night that we were hosting a very big event with the Land of Nod, which was a children's company that was owned by Crate and Barrel. It was um, sponsored by Chevrolet. We had hundreds of bloggers and influencers. This was 2013. It was before Instagram, for the most part, um, attend this event. And we trended on Twitter. So that's how big this event was. And that was the first night that I met today's guest. Um, And thinking about the time that I met her really brought me back to thinking about my kids and especially my little one as a baby. The conversation today also jogged my memory about the many ways that I used partnerships and grassroots marketing techniques to grow my business when I had basically no budget. And that includes this event where I met today's guest. Yes, there were paid sponsors, but it was an event that was largely created so that bloggers and influencers would share about Bump Club and Beyond. So it was it was a, an event that was really and truly the whole marketing strategy behind this event was partnerships. And partnerships are so incredibly powerful. Like our guest says today, I believe in relationships over contracts any day. And you're going to hear us talk all about this. But that principle alone is how I grew a seven-figure business that reached 3 million people per month. Partnerships are how I'm building my new business and the Dear Founder community today. As you know, I'm starting from scratch all over again. And when you do that, There aren't deep pocket marketing budgets. You really have to be scrappy. And partnerships are not just a scrappy way to grow your business. They are a smart way to grow your business. This podcast alone is an example of one of the biggest partnerships to date. Every single week, I partner with two of the most amazing female founders to share their story. And nine and a half times out of 10, when I share their story, they share my podcast because they share their podcast episode. This in turn helps me to grow my community right here. It brings more listeners to Dear Founder every single week. Hopping on this mic to talk and to share some of the most powerful stories from some of the most amazing female founders and supporters thereof, honestly, is one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given and the ever-growing partnership opportunities that this podcast has provided has fueled it all. 
So I wanted to thank you for tuning in because I know that you have so many choices of podcasts to listen to, and I am so grateful that you're here with us. If this conversation today inspires you, I want you to share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Tag me. I'll come over and say hi. I promise. Leave a review for us on Apple or subscribe to the show. All of these conversations that we're having, including the one we have today that you're about to listen to, are so amazing and so important, and it's so important that more people hear them. When you do these little things like writing a review or sharing an episode, it helps the show to get discovered. It helps spread the knowledge and wisdom that we share here, and it helps our community grow. But most important, it helps me to spread my mission, which is to support as many female founders and entrepreneurs as I possibly can. So once again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Your support means the world to me. You're going to hear me talk at the top of today's conversation about how I met Susan Peterson. But before I let you in, I want to share with you who she is and who is Susan Peterson, who's here with us today. So Susan Peterson founded a brand that if you're a parent, you probably have heard of, Freshly Picked. She founded it in 2009 when she discovered a lack of baby shoes that wouldn't stay on baby's feet and were also cute. Freshly Picked's combination of style and functionality in their products is really what helps them to bring the best out of your child. From their handmade baby moccasins to their stylish diaper bags, every order is treated as if it were for their own little one so that mothers and their babies can be the best and most beautiful versions of themselves. I am honored that Susan Peterson joined me today, and I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. So please come on in and meet Susan. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I am so excited about today's guest because the last time I saw her was in August of 2013. Um, I had hosted an event for Blog Her at the Land of Nod, which was the kids company that Crate and Barrel um, owned. And this person came and she handed me a miniature pair of moccasins for the baby that was growing in my belly that is now Lila Pinchuk turning nine next month. And I said, these are so cute. Do babies need moccasins? And lo and behold, she did need moccasins. And I went on to buy her, I don't know, four or five, six more pairs of those moccasins. And that woman is Susan Peterson. She's the founder of Freshly Picked, which is now one of the largest names in the baby industry. And she has sold over a million pairs of those moccasins. So Susan, congratulations and welcome to Dear Founder. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm excited to be here. So good to see you. I, I truthfully, when you handed me the moccasins, I was like, mm-hmm. is my baby going to wear these? And I mean, I, that's what I thought, but she did. And we went on to buy many more pairs of the moccasins, which I then, you know, gifted forward. <sighs> Aren't they the best? They are the best. And kids do need them. Babies do need them because they sure. stay on their feet, which I love. Mm-hmm. But I would just love for you to take us back to when this started how this started. Take us back to your kitchen when you were sewing these moccasins on your own. Yeah. So I, how you got to where you are. (laughs) Um, I started freshly picked in, um, 2009 when my son was born. Um, I wanted some baby or some soft sold baby moccasins for him and I couldn't find them anywhere. Um, so at the time I had, a 
pretty unsuccessful Etsy shop and an equally unsuccessful blog. But, you know, I would like make stuff for my Etsy shop and put it on my blog and I'd sell one or two things. And it was kind of the thing you did back then. Um, and when Gus was born, I started, I made him a couple pairs of moccasins and I put them on my blog just to be like, oh, look what I did. And the response was insane. And by insane, I mean like seven people instead of just my mom commented and said they'd buy them. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, all right, I'll sell them. So I made like 20 pairs, put them in my Etsy shop and they just sold out within like 15 minutes. And then it just kind of took off from there. Um, I quickly moved over to Shopify and um, started driving traffic to my site via my blog and then Instagram when that came around. Um, and about, we, we did moccasins for like the first eight years. Um, and then we started adding new categories. We now have diaper bags, um, swaddles, hard sole shoes, uh, within swaddles, a whole sleep category there. And, uh, just really sit comfortably in like pregnant and new mom category. Our customers tend to age out at about two years. And we've been able to build a really robust, um, beautiful business where we get to celebrate motherhood in all its shapes and forms. So when I met you, it was 2013. Mm -hmm. And you, I don't think that you had like really blown up yet, to be honest. Like, I don't think that it was like, like you, it was kind of like on the the precipice of that because Lila was a baby and and I did buy more baby shoes for her from you. I remember when you first started, like really started and things got really big, they were like limited edition and like you couldn't, you couldn't get the colors you wanted. And I mean, they really sold like hotcakes. I mean, it was crazy. What was the moment that you went from kind of like that Etsy shop where you, you know, handed me a pair of moccasins to that store online where maybe it wasn't you producing, it probably wasn't anymore. And Hmm. And you were selling out these colors of moccasins. Like what was kind of like the tipping point there? So yeah, no, no, it was a lot of hard work. Shark Tank was the tipping point. So I, when I went on Shark Tank, that seemed to be, um, I, we went in on 2014. So I was like five years in, you know, um, and I had worked really hard to build really good relationships with influencers and, um, but Shark Tank made us a national like it made us a known name, uh, shortly. That's where all of our, a lot of our, um, partnerships that we still work with today came from. So Nordstrom came from, uh, me being on Shark Tank, the buyer at Nordstrom watched it and reached out and wanted to buy Disney. Was it Ellen? (laughs) It was Ellen. (laughs) We love Ellen. So I'm going to give a shout out to Ellen. I'm not going to cut this out, but Ellen actually, um, her and a team of people, there was, there were other people on that team brought bump club into the fold of Nordstrom when they started carrying baby and we hosted exclusive events for them across Mm -hmm. the country with Jamie Grayson. And, um, they were a huge, huge partner of ours. And Ellen was incredibly supportive of bump. She's incredible. And that was kind of back in the buying days of Nordstrom where it was more merchandising and less data driven. Now it's really data driven, data, data, data now it's data driven. And, um, so Ellen was awesome. Disney was awesome. And, um, right away, our traffic doubled, our sales doubled, everything doubled. So that's when, um, things became exclusive and hard to get. 
When you went on Shark Tank, how did that come about? Did someone approach you or did you submit and apply? I mean, that was early on in Shark Tank too. So the yeah. the the process for Shark Tank is very different now than it was when you went yeah. on. So I was on season six. Um, I actually thought it was for inventors. When the first couple that I saw, it looked like it was for people who were inventing stuff. So I didn't realize that it was just for entrepreneurs who were building a business. Um, but for me, I applied super late. I have a really good story and I'm really articulate and I know how to tell my story. And so I applied in May and I went on in July and I didn't, I didn't have to like audition or anything. They just kind of slid me in. Were you prepared for the onslaught of sales that you got when the, when the episode aired? Yes. Yeah, we were. We definitely, from, from like an operational point of view, we were. Um, it was what, what no one ever talks about. And I think I, I actually talked to influencers about this a lot is the attention. No one really can prepare you for the um, emotional taxing of the attention that comes with something like that. And you think you're ready for it, but that was like my first um, instance where I had to deal with like a lot of bullying. I don't, I, I don't even, a lot of criticism from online communities and people thinking they know a lot about you. And it's actually really, this sounds so privileged and I, I recognize that, but it is hard to gain a lot of attention really quickly and to know, because at the end of the day, attention's um, momentum and to know how to make that work for your business. And I didn't know how to, at the time, I feel like I did a pretty good job, but now given, uh, given what I know now, I think like if I were to have that kind of attention again, I could really turn it into some momentum that would be pretty meaningful. Guess what? I have a couple spots open on my coaching calendar starting November 1st. Many of you have asked how you can work with me one-to-one to build your community through sustainable social media practices, partnerships and collaborations, email marketing, and more. Earlier this summer when I announced I was taking clients, the spots filled up in less than a week. I've taken on many clients since then, and my calendar has been pretty full until now. But the good news is that my calendar is opening up a little bit and I'll be taking on a couple of new clients later this fall before the holidays, just in time for the new year. So if you're interested, grab 30 minutes from the link in my show notes and let's talk about how we can work together to build your community for bottom line growth. I cannot wait to meet you. You've done a really good job with your marketing and I say that from my vantage point where I sat as a potential partner of yeah. Freshly Picked. And, and from what I know was, you know, you guys were always open to partnerships and to, um, you know, gift guides and collaborations. There was never any, I, and I'm, I want to put it out there, there was never any monetary exchange with you guys. And I feel like you have done a really great job capitalizing on your brand, the product, the aesthetic of the product. And the partnership element, because to, from where I sit, it doesn't seem like you have spent a ton of money on marketing, but you have done a really good job getting it into the hands of a lot of people, unless you were paying influencers to to do that. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about how you created sure. this like aura around 
the moccasins and then eventually the other products? So I, we, we actually don't pay influencers up front. Um, we will pay them commission off of based on what they sell. Um, but f- for me, marketing, good marketing is all about reciprocity. And, um, you know, like at the end of the day, we're all kind of going after the same customers. So if there's a way that our business and your business can work together, um, that's, that's, that, that to me, that's the most meaningful. Also, I believe in relationships before contracts. So like with all of our influencers currently, and we're in a unique spot. Well, you know, Lindsay, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but literally every day I'm looking for new customers because people are aging out of my product every day. And so every day I'm having to go out and look for new customers and for freshly picked to stay relevant, aspirational, and top of mind for 13 years across however many moms that we've done. I feel really proud of that. And all of that comes down to the relationships that I continue to build um, within the influencer community and within um, uh, the baby category in and of itself. And so for me, it's always, always, always about relationships. I'm more interested in like you and your kids than I am in what in what your business can do for me. And then if we can find a way to work together that both of us come out um, looking great, then that's how I want it to go. I love that you say this because obviously that's how I built Bump Club. You know, yeah. obviously down the road, we had sponsorships for our events like Nordstrom, yeah. Palooza, et cetera. But that is how I built Bump Club. And I never stopped building Bump Club that way. Even mm-hmm. when we were taking, you know, paid sponsors and whatnot, we still had partnerships that propelled the business. And truly those partnerships propelled the growth of the business more so than many of the paid, the paid mm-hmm. partnerships, right? And I always, always, always say to clients now and and then as well, obviously, that a good partnership is worth more than the few thousand dollars they're going to give you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. to your point, if everyone wins and we're all trying to reach the same people mm-hmm. and we collaborate, there's yeah. nothing better than a partnership yeah. like that. I agree. I, I mean, it's you know, and I, and I want I, a relationship going forward. You know, I'm way more concerned about the relationship than the contract because ultimately people will buy the product. Yeah. yeah you know, when, product. yeah, if it's a good product and people like it and they want to see it. Yeah. yeah. How has influencer marketing changed since you started? Because I mean, I sort of know the answer obviously, but I would like for right. you to share it because uh. it's a different world, you know, and, and, um, you know, I have actually today on the podcast, there was an episode that dropped and we talked about influencer marketing, but we talked about how influencers are one thing, but influentials are another. And when I was on my way out of Bump Club and even now with Dear Found Her, I would much rather work with someone who's influential in their space than someone who's a quote influencer and only wants money from an affiliate or, you know, a check for writing a post. And so I would love for you to kind of like, share the share how it's changed and share how best you think it is to work with people that are influencers now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm in a really unique position to observe this because I live in Utah and can you explain why that is? Because I know that, but my average listener does not know why we incubate them here. (laughs) I don't like, you know, in your kindergarten class when there's an incubator with the eggs in it and then 12 chicks pop out, we incubate them in Utah and literally every week, 12 new influencers pop out with like 10,000 followers and people talking about them. And they are 
aggressive, hungry, humble, like really inspiring to be around. And so, in fact, I had a, I had a friend who was working at TikTok and I had some questions on TikTok marketing and we, we were on a zoom call and he's like, okay, do you need any help with creators? And I was like, no, I live in Utah. And he's like, oh yeah, good point. (laughs) Like every, you will find with the, I I don't, I I don't want to even put a number to it. And I wish someone would do some research around this, but there is a high percentage of influencers that are from Utah, live in Utah or have ties to Utah. And so, um, we, we are always thinking, so, so the pendulum has swung back and forth. And I, I mean, you know, Lindsay, we've been doing this for like over a decade. And so we have seen the pendulum swing back and forth and how it goes is, um, big P big, big companies, uh, publicly traded companies, big companies that have massive, massive marketing budgets all of a sudden make influencers part of their marketing campaign for Q2 or Q4 or whatever it is. And then the influencer marketing, the influencers are flooded with this money, but it's from brands that don't align with their audience necessarily. Like, yeah, you can get paid 20 K to do a a craft Mac and cheese campaign, but you're, but at what cost to your audience and the authenticity there. So we've seen, I've seen it go back and forth where the big brands are paying, then the big brands pull out and then they're demanding, then the influencers are kind of demanding the payment, but no one's going to pay it because I, I, we don't have an influencer marketing budget. Like it's not there. It's minuscule. And so then it, 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 it swings back and forth. So I've seen that enough times that I just don't, I don't, I don't engage in that. I don't try to play that game. There are two truths that I know about influencers. Influencers love free stuff with, with no strings attached, especially if they're going to use it. Like we don't want free stuff. We're not going to use, right. But if you're going to use stuff, then they love it and they love it with no strings attached. Um, freshly picked is honestly something that people either use or don't use. And I'm always hoping that I'm reaching the right moms that are interested in using it. And then the other thing I know about influencers is, um, gaining a following and being out there for public consumption is very lonely. And so there are a few people and, and it becomes, you know, and I think probably your audience understands this, you know, when you start becoming successful at anything, you, you lose converse, meaningful conversations with people that you like, you can't talk to. I I mean, at least there in my life, there's a lot of conversations that I can't have with my sister, you know, like I'm not talking to her about my PNL. And that's why we have this podcast. Yes. And, and influencers grow really quickly and they sometimes they get lost. They don't know what to do. And they're like, wait, what's next? And I, I sit in a really unique position where I can help them navigate that because I've been, I've been here. I know what to do. Um, I speak the language. I understand how to help them. And so I'm always, my, my approach to influencers is relationship first again, back to, and so there are a couple things we do. Um, we have events where we require nothing from influencers. We have, uh, six, about six a year. Um, we had a dance party MILF's night out in, um, March and we just got this fun DJ. Everyone came, they danced. No one was required to post. No one was required to do anything. Um, and mom, like 
you forget when you have kids, I just want to go move my body. I just want to go out with my girlfriends and have a fun time, you know? And, um, so we do that. We had a pickleball tournament where you could bring your spouse and that was really fun. Um, we did another, we did a fringe jacket night where you brought a jean jacket and we sewed fringe on the back. Um, and then once a month we do a influencer lunch where we invite like a dozen of them to our office and we just get to know them. Like, what are you guys working on? What's good? What's bad? What's going on? And none of these events are we asking them to post. And I'm, I have a lot of relationships, so I'm able to pull off. I think this year total, I have spent just over a grand on events and that's not including the product we give away at the events, but just like leveraging my relationships within the community to get these like free spaces, free, like just, just things sponsored or paid for. But we, we want to be motherhood's hard. It's tricky. Influencing is hard. It's tricky. We want to be your best girlfriend that you can actually have a conversation with it about. And I would venture to say that even though you don't require people to post, they still do. A yeah, lot. They, they do. And, and they want to be invited and they want to be yeah. a part of that and they're proud of it. And yes. so they want to share that they're there uh-huh. regardless of if you're paying them or not, which you're not. And and no. that just goes back to the relationship. And I, yes. I love that you're sharing this because everyone wants something instantaneously now, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everyone thinks it happens overnight, but the relationship is a long game. Mm-hmm. But when you have these relationships and you do things like this, it benefits times 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm really like, I'm going to ride for you. Like if you come and you're going to like invest in freshly picked, like I will, I'll ride for, I'll ride for you and what you're doing. And so I feel like the girl, like people feel that they know if you're being sincere or not. And Um, we just tried to work it around me because people want access to me and I want to be able to like share my wisdom and my knowledge and, and like access and, um, and how to have fun with me, you know, we, I want to share really quickly about my experience with the Utah influencers. So we hosted a gear palooza (laughs) in, in Utah. I can't remember if we, I think we did it twice. And the first time we did it, I was like, Oh, holy shit. Like really and truly, I was like, oh my God. And, and what blew me away the most is that no one wanted to pay for a ticket to come to this event because everyone in Utah is so used to getting everything for free. So, you know, we did have about half the people pay and then we, we extended invitations to influencers and we got a ton of press and notoriety and like exposure. And it was a very big eye opener for me because we just weren't aware that that's how it was until we were there. It was a great event. And when we came back, we actually positioned the event around the influencers. I don't even know that we sold tickets. Maybe we sold a few. I'm not like to a limited amount of people, but we built an event, the event as an influencer event. We gave like additional things away from the brands. Like the brands also knew it was an influencer event and not a paid event. And we got, so much exposure from it. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it was just like a different mindset, like going into the event in Salt Lake City than it was everywhere else because everyone at this event had over a hundred thousand followers. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. mean, that was like a low number. Yes. And, and like influencers built freshly picked, like 
it was me making friends with up and coming influencers that built freshly picked. And so for us, influencer marketing will always be part of what we're doing and, and not like, Oh, we're going to pay, but like, we're always going to be investing in that relationship. Yeah. When was it that you decided to extend your brand? Because it's a natural extension, obviously, to do diaper bags in the sleep category. Mm-hmm. I mean, and anyone in the baby space knows it is once you have a reputable brand, it makes so much sense to offer additional extensions. Yeah. So when did when did that happen? Um, it was 2017, actually. Um, we 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 felt like we had kind of built the soft soul business as big as we could build it. Like you can only do so many soft souls, you mm-hmm. know. And, um, baby footwear is actually a pretty small category. Like it is compared to like other footwear categories. And so we were thinking like, what is, um, what's kind of the next thing? Um, now we have like a whole criteria of like when we go into a new category, but that at the time it was like, what, what pairs well with baby shoes and is kind of a high price point because, um, online marketing or online advertising became like a really big part of our uh, business at that time. And, um, you got, you got to think about ROAS when you're coming up with a new, <laughs> a new product. So diaper bags just really made sense. And so we, uh, kickstarted our diaper bag in 2017. We raised just under $400,000, which allowed us to fund our first PO. And, um, then we sat, we, we expanded that category once, once we started to grant gain traction. And then in 2019, we came out with our sleep category. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. All right. So the freshly picked diaper bag is like the bag of choice when you look at the influencer market. And when I was in, I very vividly remember when I was in Salt Lake City, this was the case. And it was right after you launched. Uh Um, So, and you guys have applied the same theory and methodology that you use with the moccasins to the diaper bag, obviously. But I would venture to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the diaper bag is maybe even the entry point now for many moms because of how you've marketed your whole line, essentially. Yeah. So, so our approach with the diaper bag was, which I, I, it's funny that even in 2017, this felt revolutionary for a lot of people was just because you had a baby doesn't mean you lost your sense of style. And, um, and so that was our approach with the diaper bag. And that has continued to be our approach, which is 
what is trending in bags right now and how can we make that functional around a diaper bag? So we're looking at fashion um, first and function second. So timeless fashion, not fat, not like trends, but excuse me, stuff that people always want. So that's been our approach. And now, yeah, our diaper bag is an entry point for a lot of people because it, it is comes only, first. Yeah, it comes first. And it's the only thing we actually spend advertising dollars on because we have the margin to do it there. And then also it is a, it's a purchase that you're usually making when you're pregnant. And so, and I, and, and shoes, you might, you might get one or two pairs of shoes before you have the baby, but those usually come after you have the baby. Yeah. So throughout this whole time, this 2009, we're at 13 years now, what has been like the highest high and the lowest low? And so much has happened. And I, I know I, I had someone ask me this today, this exact yeah. same question. And that's why I'm asking you, because I feel like good question, Lindsay. Um, oh, so it's funny. Cause they, they happened within like six months of each other. Actually. Um, I re- I raised money in 2017 and you know, um, I don't know, actually, I don't, you know, raising money is like, yeah, I didn't raise money. I sold, but yes, I know from talking to other founders and from watching other founders, it's a job within itself. If not it's a job within multiple itself, jobs, it is, it is, um, at the end of the day, um, words of affirmation is my love language <laughs> and it is like the ultimate words of affirmation, like good job. You're doing a good job, you know, cause you just got a huge check for your business that you've been blood, sweat, and tearing over for the last like seven years, you know? Um, and we ended up with like, honestly, best partners ever. They are incredible. Um, they were the same group that invested in Reagan and actually like, uh, she sits on my board now. She's incredible. And, um, I mean, I worked with Reagan when she's, I mean, that's like, that's how I know Aiden and Nene. I, I, is, she was one of my first is there anyone the, better? Like I, I, and like, I haven't talked to her in years and years and years. Please tell her yeah. I said hello, but like, I will, she was to your point, just so supportive. And, yeah. and, you know, and it was like, I was so sad when she wasn't like my person anymore. Yeah. And she's uh, incredible. She's back in Australia, kicking ass down there, of course. Um, but I love her. I'll always respected her, really looked up to her. Um, and so that was like an amazing dream come true. Loved it. And then about six months later, um, I found out that my finance, um, and I've actually, I don't know that I've told this on a podcast before, Lindsay. Um, I feel so special. <laughs> the guy running my finances had um, been embezzling from the company for like two years. Oh my God. And, um, we had stolen a lot of money from the company and then a lot of money from uh, m- my family personally. And um, it was, it was like so insane because we literally had no money to run the business. Um, mother investors and I had to put a bridge loan back into the business. And then also like the money for like our money that we had, that we had finally got paid for all of our hard work was also mostly gone. And so we, um, I had to work back from that and that was like really hard. Um, it finally wrapped up like last year and oh my last God. year was kind of like the last kind of thing. And, um, 
luckily was able to keep the business going, able to keep my family afloat, didn't have to declare bankruptcy, which as you know, when you're out raising money is not a good thing. No. <laughs> and um, uh, was able to come back from that. But those two things, it's funny. They just happened like right after one another. Yeah. How did you find out? And, and if you want me to cut it out, I will. But I just am so curious. Like, did you just notice that things were missing? And like, yeah, it was my personal account. We were in the middle of doing some pretty big transactions personally. And um, my account was drained. And so, and I thought it was a mistake at first. Were there repercussions for this person? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? That was actually a really hard part because I felt we were really close. Our our families were close. Um, the big thing that um, I remember my first appointment with my therapist after this, I was like, I just want to forgive this person. Like, that's where I want to get. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's totally possible. And so we've gotten to a point where, you know, I recognize it for what it was. And I feel like at the end of the day, we're all like two to three bad decisions away from this. Like it feels, it feels far away, but like, we really, we really like, I've, I've, I've seen some decisions in my life where I'm like, woof, that could have led down a wrong path, you know? And um, this person had a gambling addiction. And so it's just, which came from some trauma in their childhood. And it's just, it was, it, it was hard to watch and it was hard to be a part of. Um, but I'll tell you what, like, I am such a better person. I am such a better business owner. I'm such a better boss. I am a better um, steward of my money. Um, I'm a better wife. I'm a better, like, literally I am better all around because of this. I wouldn't pick it again. Not that we ever have a choice, but I would not give it back because of the lessons I was able to learn and in the ways I grew. Well, and I was going to ask you, what are some of the top lessons that this, that this experience taught you? Because I think that this too is, is very common. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, thank you for sharing, because I think that when it comes to finances and money, like I know I am not the best at that. And so I, I always have hired someone and I've had good people and I've had not so good people. And as a founder, it's really, it's important that you know and understand your finances, but also that you have someone that you can trust. And so, you know, I would love for you to share a couple of the lessons that you learned from this experience. Oh gosh. The big one is like, people are still trustworthy, honestly. Like that's the, that's my number one. Um, I never, and, and I'm not a victim, you know, this is something that happened. Um, I think just don't talk shit about people because it is someone's life. They're really living that right now, you know? Um, at the end of the day, people are good and we just decisions get made and consequences get compounded. And, um, that's, that was a big, that was a big one for me is like, there are very few people, you know, in your life that are actually bad people. Most everyone is good, even when they've done really bad things. Um, don't give other people your bank passwords. (laughs) or access to your account or make sure that the access is limited access. Yeah. Yeah. Or double signature. That's yeah. always helpful. Um, I think, yeah, like, uh, pettiness is not going to make you feel better about anything. Yeah. Ever. You'll probably feel worse. And there's like, it is, Oh, 
And if you're going through a hard thing, go to the thrift store, buy a stack of like 20 plates and find a brick wall. And then when you have a hard day, go and throw those plates at the brick wall and make you feel way better. (laughs) That's really great advice. It's like a smash room. They have places like that now. Yeah. But you can just get plates for like 10, 10 cents a piece. Yeah. So what's next for freshly picked? Oh my goodness. What's next? We are growing like crazy right now. I am so curious. I'd love to see, you know, they were like saying, oh, there's going to be COVID babies and there ended up not being like a baby boom. (laughs) I think because we were home with our children and unless it was a first time, you're like, I'm not having another kid right now. (laughs) But I think that there is a baby boom from all these vacations everyone's going on this year. I think there's a baby boom coming. Um, We are working hard on uh, expanding into TikTok. It's like, I can't wrap my head around it, but we are hiring the youngest, smartest, most digitally native person we can find and letting them just go ham on it. Um, We uh, we're gearing up for Q4 right now and working on uh, working on all of our product for next year. So I want you, this is my last question. I want you to go back to your kitchen in 29 and what are three things you would tell Susan Peterson? Oh, such a good question. I actually think about this a lot. Um, number one, just like enjoy those boobs, girl. <laughs> They're never going to be that good again. <laughs> just let them out to breathe more than you do. <laughs> Great um, advice. <laughs> I feel like, don't you want to tell all 20 year olds that? Yes. Show them to as many people as you can. <laughs> because it's my constant like struggle. So yes, yes. <laughs> just like, I mean, they're, they're good in a different way, but never like they were back then. Um, uh, just like, don't you, uh, this just like stuff I wish I could give to every tw- girl in their twenties, which is like, no one's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about yourself. And so just have fun and be nice. Queen, I'm going to ask you one more thing, actually. Okay. <laughs> now I want you to give three tips of advice for a female founder who's just starting out. Oh, really, really good. Um, okay. Number one, it's balance is just straight up bullshit. And the world will try to try to get you to buy into that and don't buy into it. How I look at it is that I have four boiling pots of water on the stove. And at any point I can turn the boil up or down. And sometimes you got to cook pasta. Sometimes you got to cook other stuff and you don't have to cook everything at the same time. And don't look at it as a scale, but look at it as stuff that you can give attention and time to, but that you don't always have to give attention and time to everything. So number one, don't buy into balance. It is not a thing. It does not exist. Um, number two, as soon as you make enough money, hire out as much of your house stuff as you can. Um, and even if you're trading, I used to trade stuff. Like I used to trade moccasins for housekeeping. I used to trade moccasins for other stuff. I decided, um, when my first time I did homework with my daughter, I decided I am not a homework or a chore mom. I turn into, not a good version of myself. So I have not done homework or chores since my children were little. I have a nanny or a house manager that helps uh, manage that so that when I'm spending time with my kids, we are enjoying the time, right? 
it. So there is a house standard that has to be maintained. You have to do your homework. You have to do your chores, but I'm not going to be the one that manages that. Um, and then the other thing is it is not men versus girls in, um, in the business world. There are assholes in both genders and there are also really nice people in both genders. And so if you run into an asshole, um, that's a man, don't, don't associate with them. Most of my guy friends that are in business, actually all my guy friends that are in business really want women to succeed and really want to be part of the solution of getting women at the forefront of business, getting women funded, having more women in press and representation, all that. Um, they just don't know where to start. So I make them part of the solution. I give them tasks to do. I tell them to <laughs> come back and tell me when they finished it. So I can give them something else to do. So it is not men versus women. And if you come out swinging like that, you are not going to get anything done. If you're running into assholes, find some new people to hang out with. Susan Peterson, founder and CEO of Freshly Picked. I wish I could be on a, a fly on the wall when you <laughs> gave me those moccasins nine years ago. I am so proud to have you here and I'm so proud of both of us sitting here and how far we've come since that moment. And mm -hmm. I am so honored that you took the time to share your story with the Dear Founder community. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. This is amazing. I told you that today's conversation was a good one, didn't I? And I told you that you'd walk away with a ton of information. Have you? I bet you didn't expect Susan to share that drop of a bombshell when she talked about the embezzlement of some of her personal and business finances. There was a lot to unpack in this conversation. As always, I'm going to be sending all of the takeaways out to my email list. So you're going to want to make sure that you subscribe. The link is in the show notes. When you do, you not only get all of the takeaways from our episodes every single week, but you get a lesson every week to help you to grow your own business. But for now, here are my five top takeaways from today's conversation. Number one, it's hard to gain a lot of attention and momentum quickly and make that work for your business. Early on, this was not something that Susan was able to utilize when she got the attention from Shark Tank to the way that she would be able to do it now. Number two, relationships over contracts are key to your business's success. And that is something that both Susan and I inherently believe in together. Number three, good marketing is all about reciprocity. Everyone's going after the same customer. So if there's a way for your business to work with another business that's meaningful, that will take on the largest growth opportunity for your business. Number four, Gaining a following and being out there for public consumption can be very lonely. When you start to become successful at anything, sometimes you lose those meaningful conversations and you can't necessarily talk to the people that you once did about the things that you once did. Number five, host events for influencers relevant to your space. Make it fun and make it speak to the foundation of your brand. They will share it people will post about it and you will get even more exposure. Thank you so much for being here today. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure that you take out your phone, scroll all the way down and click that five-star rating or leave a review so that others can find us in the amazing stories like Susan's that we have coming up. You're also going to want to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify 
or wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has an idea, text them this episode or share it in your Instagram stories and tag me and I'll be sure to share some of those to say thank you. But for now, stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.